So this morning, we're going to be getting into or continuing along this series that we've been on. This is now week four and uh, of a series that we're entitled, It Never Fails. And it's all about the love of God and different things and different attributes of how this plays out in our life. Um, but man, didn't Sean do just an amazing job last week communicating to us? And man, we were so thankful uh, for him. And trust me, he made it look easier than it is. And I know he said he was nervous, but if he wouldn't have said it, we wouldn't have known. And, uh, but he did such an amazing job, so I appreciate him just being willing to step in and do that. Did just a phenomenal job. But I want to remind you of two things that he talked about in case you weren't here. And uh, this might give you enough motivation to go watch it online. Uh, but he shared uh, just two quick things that he shared last week as part of this series. Was Number one, he said that experiencing the grace of Jesus is supposed to motivate us to extend grace to others. Now, he was talking about being offended. In other words, somebody hit you sideways a little bit and got up on you the wrong way. And he said, hey, when somebody does that, when somebody comes get sideways with us, we need to remember that we were sideways with Jesus too. And he extended grace to us. And so we need to remember that so that we remember, hey, that was me at one point, maybe even this week at some point, and I need to extend the same grace that has been extended to me. Such a powerful truth. And the second thing that he said. And this was just, uh, just such a powerful point. Is he said being offended is inevitable. Jesus actually said this. He said in this world you will. Everybody say will. Is there any question about if you will. If Jesus said you will. No. You will be offended. Welcome to the club. Every one of us have that opportunity. But being offended, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. But living offended is a choice. Ouch. Ouch. I don't like that, but you know what the Bible says? You will know the truth, and truth sets you free, right? And so the truth is is that, hey, I'm going to get offended, but I have to choose to live there. And, I, you know, in this whole series, we've been talking about really guarding our heart, watching our heart, because that's where God works with us at. And so, man, it's such a powerful truth that we have been talking about this. And so many times when we start talking about the love of God, we always think of it from him to us. But the truth is, is that God gives us, and, and really the Bible says that he abundantly pours out his love in our hearts. But it's not just so that we know that Jesus loves us and I'm going to heaven. That's not the sole main point. It's important and we need to know that. Is that we have a loving father who who really wants to display himself on our behalf. But it's for a purpose. How many of you know that God is very intentional? Like God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't do anything by mistake including you. You're here by divine purpose and providence. God saw fit for you to be alive right now, right here, sitting in the seat that you're in. God said, right now is the perfect time in all the span of history. Right now is the time. Why? Because God doesn't do coincidences. He does everything on purpose. And so the Bible says that he is, let me say it this way. He's turned on the light of love in our heart. Not so that we can know that we're loved solely. But so that we can also love others. And we've been talking about this over the last number of weeks, specifically the key verses, which I'm not reading these today, would be 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. There's actually some cards out there on the information center. It's a confession where it says that I endure long and I am patient and I am kind. 
I don't seek my selfish motives, but I choose to believe the best of everybody. And it's one thing to read the pages of Scripture and say, God's love, God, but yeah, put yourself in there. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, shoot, I don't do that. And I can't do that. Well, I got good news for you. Right in the middle, about verse 5, it says, God's love in me causes me to. So we ain't got to try to do it by ourselves, but we do need the help of the Lord. I mean, I kind of joke about this, but you know what the love of God will do? It will keep you from spitting back an answer too fast. And the Holy Spirit will go, don't say that. (laughs) Hold your mouth. (laughs) I wish sometimes the Holy Spirit would just take some duct tape and just, you know, just slap it on there. But he won't do that. But, you know, but there are times I can be a little sarcastic sometimes. But most days, most of the time. So I have to be careful, and the love of God in my heart will actually, the Bible says, it will constrain me. It will keep me from doing what my default mechanism is, which is sarcasm. But the love of God in me will keep me from stepping over into that place. And so today I want to share with you uh, a little bit more about this and dig a little deeper. I'm going to uh, go down a, a different trail a little bit, but this one here last week, Sean talked about offense and man, we all deal with that. And that's a, a, a very real, very relatable subject. But today I want to take it even a, a little bit step further uh, in another way. And today I want to talk about sacrificial love. And you know, it's one thing to love people on our terms. That's kind of easy to do. Like, I'm going to love you the way that I want to because this is what's convenient and comfortable for me. But how many of you realize that God has actually called us to live sacrificially, which is completely counterintuitive to who we are? That's why we need God's help. Because it's so, it's 180 from us. Because by default, our our default settings is selfishness. It's self-protection. It's self-care. We take care of numero uno first. That's our default as human beings. But yet God wants to what? Actually lead us into a life to live and to love sacrificially. And so, you know, I think in our culture, we throw around this word love way too much. I mean, you know, I can say I love Dr. Pepper. Well, no, I don't actually love it. But we would use that term. I love my sports teams. Now, some people do. But you think about it. I love my team, fill in the blank, whoever it may be. People sacrifice their money for it. They sacrifice their time for it. They sacrifice their allegiance for it. They will do crazy things for it. They'll tattoo their body to show their allegiance. So they put themselves in pain to profess their love, right? I mean, they put it on their cars. They put it on their shirts. They all this, what? They're professing their love. They're they're actually sacrificing to show their allegiance. And yet, when we bring it over into the church world, the life with God world, we're like, hold up. Like, God didn't want me to sacrifice anything. Well, you do for your football team. You do for hunting. You do for fishing. You do for shopping. Whatever your thing is, you give it your attention and you sacrifice for it. So why would we think living for God would be any different? I mean, some of us have hobbies and those hobbies get more attention than Jesus. And we don't think anything about it. 
Now, I'm just going to, a little warning. I'm going to step on your toes this morning. We're going to get that out the way. Don't get offended. Go back and listen to Sean's message from last week, and you're going to be good. Okay? Thank you, Sean, for laying that beautiful groundwork for me today. So we throw this word around for all kinds of stuff. You know, you get on social media, everybody's throwing their little heart emojis and heart eyes and all this stuff. We're like, oh, I love this. I love that. I love this. I love that. You know, and it kind of can lose its meaning. But at the very core, you want to know who you love? Those that you're willing to sacrifice for. That's who you know who you love. I mean, that's, that's the easiest, clearest way I can tell you. If you're willing to sacrifice for them, that tells you. Hey, they're different. We have a different relationship. And so it's important that we understand this, but what does God's love really look like? Because the Bible talks about it. It actually is the theme of the Bible. If you're going to take the entire context of Scripture and boil it down to one word, it is love. It's the story of God's love for humanity. From cover to cover. That's what the whole story is about. And so in Matthew chapter 22, they asked Jesus a question and said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Like, you know, God has a top 10 list. Okay, we get that. What's the number one on the list though, Jesus? And they're trying to do this. And in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus responds and says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your interest, and all of your mind, your intellect, your thoughts. You must love the Lord your God. And he says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. Now, I would tell you this. If you don't do the first part of this, you can't do the second part. So you have to understand this part first. In other words, I have to have an actual connection with God. And his love actually has to be working on the inside of me before I can go to one. You know, that was one A. Before I can go to one B, I got to get one A. So the love of God has to be shown in my heart. Now, the second part, he says, the second is equally important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, but I don't like my neighbor. I don't think there's a qualifier on the back of this. But my my neighbor's annoying. My neighbor doesn't keep their grass cut. My neighbor's kids are on my nerves. They keep throwing the ball over the fence. And they get just, why can't they just control their kids? I mean, it's amazing how annoyed we can get over some dumb stuff, right? Well, we want to gripe about our neighbor versus getting to know our neighbor. <laughs> right? Because if you're going to love them, you got to know them. It's hard to love from a distance. And Jesus says it's equally important. Love your neighbor. And he makes this statement. He says the entire law, the Old Testament... That's what the Old Testament, it's the law. It's the the rules and the regulations. And there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of rules and regulations that the Jewish nation had to follow. And And here Jesus says, all of the law and all the demands of the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, all hang on these commandments. One translation says, it's the hook that the entire Bible hangs on. It's the law of love. Is that we are to live and to love. And so it's such a powerful thing that uh, verse 39 here in the Amplified Bible says that we are to unselfishly seek the best and the higher good for others. The best and the highest for others. Now, 
and, and, and love is one of those things that's really easy to talk about. I mean, it's great to talk about it in church, but guess what? In 30 minutes, you're walking out the doors. What are you going to do with what I'm telling you in 30 minutes? It's easy to nod and that was good. That's a good point. Like, praise the Lord. I'm going to jot that down. It's like what Sean said last week. Like, if you're not writing it down, you should write this down. Like, there are some things every week that we have those little nuggets, those little things, those little takeaways. But, yeah, but what are we going to do with them? Because the thing about love is love has to be shown. Saying it is easy. What about doing it when I don't want to do it? When it's inconvenient to do it? When I had a plan and this is going to interrupt my plan and now my whole day is thrown off. But man, I just. But yet the commands from scripture are very clear. Now, somebody actually asked Jesus about this. Because he, he told him what to do. You know, it's actually uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10. But right on the heels of this same interaction where Jesus says, hey, the greatest commandment is this. You got to love God and you got to love your neighbor as yourself. And then somebody thinks they're going to get smart with Jesus, which how many of you know you just lose that argument every time. And they're like, well, Jesus, who's my neighbor? Like, and they're thinking, you know, like, I'm going to get out of this. Well, Jesus, in his wisdom, says, let me tell you a story. We call them parables, right? And yet Jesus says, let me tell you a story. So in Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read verse 30 through 37. It'll be on the screens. But it says, uh, listen, and I will tell you. There was a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him along the way. It says they severely beat him and stripped him naked and left him half dead. Took everything he's got and just left him there for dead. It says soon a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed over to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. So let me give you the example, the modern example of this. We're in Walmart. Got your little buggy? Right? You see that person on the other checkout end, and you're like, oh no. I ain't got time for them. Let me go down this other aisle. I don't need that aisle. (laughs) That aisle's got nothing for me. (laughs) And here, this is what the priest did. It says he saw him and he avoided him. Just said, nope, not today. It says later a religious man is actually a, a, a temple helper. So this was a guy who worked in the church. Says a Levite came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side of the road from the wounded man and didn't stop to help him. So the same thing. It's just inconvenient today. I don't have time for this today. Like this is going to just this is I don't I don't want to mess with this. Uh, you know I, I don't have yeah he's hurt he's wounded but hey take care of yourself buddy you're going to be all right you know like if I see somebody to help you I'll send somebody and yet it goes on and it says that finally that word finally stands out to me. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, which let me give you a little context. Culturally, these people didn't talk. The Jews didn't even acknowledge Samaritans. They believed them to be half-bred. That was the truth. They weren't pure Jews, and so they just said, hey, the Jewish people would walk around Samaria, go out of their way to avoid Samaria, just so they didn't have to see each other. 
I mean, literally. I said, go out, the, like, skip the aisle. No, they skipped the whole city. I mean, point A to point B. No, we're going to do this. <laughs> and so it says, now remember, the guy who's sitting in the ditch is a Jew. And it says here, a Samaritan came upon, upon the bleeding man. And it says that he was moved with tender compassion. That's love. He was moved with tender compassion for him. It says he stooped down and gave the man first aid. In other words, he made his problem, like the Jewish man's problem became his problem. He gave him first aid and he began to pour olive oil into his wounds and disinfected them with wine. It says, and he bandaged them to stop the bleeding. And it says, he lifted him up. If you want to know what love looks like very practically, I think those three words sum it up. When we love, we lift somebody up. When we love from a a, a biblical, Jesus-like example, we lift somebody up. In many different ways, it can look a lot of different ways. But at its core, I believe that to be pretty clear. He says, lifting him up and placing him on his own donkey and brought him to an end. So here we have this Samaritan man who has now gone, been inconvenienced by the time. He's helped this man. He's picked him up. Now he's put him on his donkey, which means this guy's now got to walk. I mean, like you really break this down a little bit and you're like... Man, this wasn't like kind of a minor inconvenience. Like this day is, this guy's day is shot. Like I don't know what he had planned, but I promise you this was not on the agenda for that day. So now he walks him in. Now he takes him to an inn. We'll say a hotel for modern, modern context. Takes him to a place, gets him a room. It says the next morning. So the man now stays overnight with this man. Or around him or something. I don't, it doesn't give us the context, but it says... Then he took him, carried him to an end for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words. Take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So Jesus asked the questions because, again, they wanted to know, well, who, who was the neighbor? And Jesus says, so I tell you, which one of these three men... Who saw the wounded man. So they all saw him. They all acknowledged he was there. They said which one of these was the true neighbor. And the scholar responds. And says the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Love has to be demonstrated. I mean we tell people we love them all the time. But at some point. And this is my challenge to us. As Christians, as believers, as as followers of Jesus, at some point we have to stop saying it. We have to start doing it. It is the thing that differentiates Christianity from every other religion. Because every other religions are self-focused. I'm going to do good deeds to get me something better. Where Christianity and following Christ is sacrificial in nature. And what it says is, I'm going to love and I'm going to sacrifice. Why? To lift somebody else up. Even if I get nothing in return. Like the return is not the motivation. The motivation is the lifting up of somebody else. And the helping of someone else. Why? Because when we do that, we're acting like Jesus. 
Colossians says it this way, is that we can be the, the visible image of the invisible God. Like people can't, they, they hear Jesus, but it's nothing like seeing him. I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible. I believe it is possible. But the chances of Jesus showing up, and I'll use this in terms, at your neighbor's house is not that likely. What about you showing up at your neighbor's house, your co-worker's house, your family member's house that you don't really like? You know, that crazy aunt that everybody's like, ah. What about those? And when do we actually demonstrate God's love to them? And how do we do this? And, and, and so Jesus ends and he gives this just powerful statement. He says, and you must go and do the same as he has. Go and do it. Don't say it. It's like that. Put up or shut up, right? Am I allowed to say shut up? I just did twice. If, if you lost count. No, we're called to love. I mean, we, we know the scripture, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. God did not give for himself, God gave for us. Why? Because he was trying to lift us up. That's the context that we see here in scripture. And so, you know, many times love is illogical. Love is foolish. Like God's going to drop this thing in your heart. All of a sudden compassion's going to rise. And 15 reasons why you can't, shouldn't, ain't got time for it are going to pop up real fast. It's illogical. I mean, just think back to the crazy things you did to people you dated. I love you, boo. I'm going to drive in the middle of the night. We're going to stay on the phone like you hang up. No, you like I lost. I can't tell you how many hours upon hours upon hours. I, you know, falling asleep at the wheel, driving home from Dara's because she lived an hour away. And I'm like, I'll drive out there to pick you up, girl. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. Don't you waste your t- You just get pretty while I'm coming. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like. Come on, girl, let's go. Like, I'm a broke college student. I'm like, I don't care. I'm in love. and It's crazy. We'll write notes. I used to write poetry when we were dating. She reminds me, she's like, I ain't got no poetry lately. It's like, what happened to that? You know, well, you, you see, I, I was in college. I was more educated back then. I kind of lost some of that. And, uh, you know. But look, we do some crazy things when we're in love and we got the feelings and yeah, but what about now? What about when it's like, and I'm just going to say this for me. When my daughter wakes up at three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, baby, I got her. Don't worry. You just sleep. You think I want to get up at three o'clock in the morning? I'm like, child, go to bed. What's wrong with you? Like every step's like death. Death, 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 death. Like my heart is dying on the inside of me because I want to be in bed asleep. And the Lord's just like, you're dying with every step. And I'm like, praise God. Praise, hallelujah. What, I can't even think straight. What, what other Christianese term can I come up with? Because right now I ain't happy. But what I know is that I'm loving my wife well. And it's a sacrifice. Even though it's inconvenient and even though it's frustrating and even though I'm going to pay the price for it the next day, I would rather pay it than her pay it. That's sacrificial love. And we understand it to a degree 
inside of a marriage. But guess what? It's not reserved for that relationship. One of the things that I, that I, I put in my notes is that to love means to actually open ourselves up enough to potentially be hurt. It's a risk to love. And I, I'm not saying it's not. But I would rather love and get hurt than I would to never love. I heard somebody years and years and years ago say this and it really helped me. And they said that, that the Lord spoke to them one time because they were griping about people taking advantage of them and doing this and that. And this is what the Lord told them. And they felt like the Lord dropped in their heart was that I never told you that you wouldn't get hurt. I just promised that I would heal you every time. God never said that we wouldn't get hurt loving people. But what he did say was that I will heal you and I will restore you and I will preserve you even through it. That's the promise from scripture that we have. I mean, John 15 verse 13 says this. It says, there's no greater love than to lay one's down's life or lay down one's life for his friends. And we know that Jesus physically did that. He actually did it more than physically. He did it spiritually for us as well. Because he had never been separated from God until the moment on the cross. And he cries out and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, where did you go? Like, that's the way I would say it. If I was Jesus, that would be my terminology. Why did you leave me? Where are you at? Like, I need you in this moment. And yet he experienced separation from God so that we now could actually be in relationship with God. So he tasted death, the Bible says, once and for all. Why? Because there's more to life than this, than this life. Because when I die, guess what? There's a stepping over from this life into a better life. And it's not like the afterlife. It's eternal life that is found in Jesus, that is in the very presence of God. So I step out from this to that. So I get the upgrade. Not the downgrade. I get the upgrade. You, you get the upgrade. First John chapter 3. Verses 16 through 18. The apostle John writes and says. This is how we have discovered love's reality. Is that Jesus sacrificed his life for us. And because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. Lay down our lives for one another. It says if you see anyone or if anyone sees a fellow believer in need and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity, no compassion. It's such a powerful couple of words. Here. It says, and closes their heart against them. In other words, I felt compassion and I turned it off. I had that moment where I knew the Lord was, was speaking to me. Look, and this doesn't happen all the time. And this is something else that I would tell you. And, and I hold very dearly to this fact. Because I see it in the life of Jesus. Every time that the Bible says he was moved with compassion, God showed up. Now, it's one thing just to be generous because I want to be generous and feel good. That's not actually what I'm talking about. Well, I'm feeling blessed. I just want to bless somebody. I just want to be good. I mean, like where it's something like... It's something in your heart. Like, uh, it's like, oh my goodness. And if you turn that off, you are in danger. Why? Because your heart, your heart just hardened a little bit. We talked about that, I think, two weeks ago. About what happens when we harden our heart and it becomes resistant to God. It says that they show no, no compassion and they close their heart against them. It says, how is it even possible that God's love lives in them? It says, beloved children, our love can't be abstract theory that we only talk about. 
It says, but a way of life demonstrated through our good deeds. It's got to be demonstrated. It's got to be lived out. You know, a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to share this with you, but please hear my heart. I'm not sharing you this, sharing this with you because I'm bragging about something that I did. I'm just telling you about an experience that I had a few weeks ago. I walk in a restaurant. Me and Darren went to go eat. A little date night. You know, I'm focused on my boo, right? I got my girl with me, and it's like no babies. Like, it's quiet. It's like, oh, man, this is what, I've got to remember what this is like, you know? And we're sitting there, and I mean, I hadn't hardly sat down. And I'm thinking, we're going to talk, and it's going to be a nice dinner. And kind of right over here, like right in view of me, I see this family sitting there at a table. And I just, I mean, I can't explain it. This doesn't happen just all the time. But I mean, like something on the inside of me was just like, I got nervous. Like just almost instantly. Like I started to sweat a little bit. I mean, I was, I got to do something. I don't know what. I'm like, what can I do? I, I don't know. I just, you know, and all these thoughts are racing through my mind. And Dara's sitting there and, you know, and I'm like, you know, trying to maintain a conversation. I keep kind of doing the, the glance, you know, like. I want to look, but I don't want to be too obvious, you know, I don't want to be like creeping people and, you know, and it's like, why is that dude staring at us? It's really awkward. And, you know, so I'm sitting there and I'm not, I'm not going to go into all the details of it, but I just really felt in my heart. I was like, man, I got to do something. I, I don't know what I can do. And, um, but while I was sitting there and it just, man, I just couldn't get away from it. You know, you try to kind of, and it's like, nope, 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 nope. And God like just wouldn't be denied one of those moments. And, um, you know, it's not, again, this doesn't happen to me all, all the time, but it does happen. And as I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, I'm asking Darren, I'm like, hey, you got some generosity cards, little plug, grab some. They look like this right here. They're at the information center. It's a great little tool, by the way. And it says something extra to show you that God loves you. On the back, it says, and so do we. So she said, well, I got some, I've got this. And I said, well, I got to go to the car. I didn't didn't bring in my wallet because she had hers. I'm like, I need to go to the car. I got to get some money. I got to do something. You know, I'm just like, I. I can't enjoy my dinner until I do this kind of deal. I just, I mean, it was a unique situation. Call it that. So I take the little generosity card and I wrote a little personal note on it. And I, and I, so I called my waiter, my waitress over and I said, hey, I want the bill from that table. Now, I didn't know what they had eaten. There were some things on the bill that I would not purchase typically. But that's not for me to sort out. I just knew what the Lord put in my heart. And so I said, hey, I want their bill. You cannot tell them who did it. But I want to take care of their bill. So bring it to me. I pay it. You know, send the generosity card off. So forth, so on. I watched as the waitress goes over and hands her the little card. The lady breaks down, starts crying. She starts looking around. I'm like, you know, <laughs> mind my own business. Let me eat another chip and some, you know. And you know how much fun that was? You know how much like Jesus I felt in that moment? You know how much it impacted that lady? Enough she got emotional in her seat. Enough of a reminder that God loves you, that God sees you. And again, please hear my heart. I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm telling you because this is the life we're called to live. And was it a sacrifice? Yes, it was over 100 bucks at a Mexican restaurant. They ordered a lot of food. 
Like, I mean, I'm just saying. I was like, shoot. I mean, this is, this is, um, you can ask Dara. Like, I don't have a Bible up here. Hands on the Bible. The waitress brings me the bill and goes, I can split it if you want. And before I even looked at it, I said, no, it's, all right. it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Like, I don't need to look at it. But what happened is that this compassion rose up on the inside of me that motivated me to do something because logically I would say, well, I wouldn't buy that for me. Why would I pay that for them? I mean, the way the whole table, the whole table, like quit talking about it. Just bring me the bill. I'm trying to be obedient to Jesus and you're hindering my obedience. Come on, lady. Hurry up. I'm gonna change my mind. I know you would never be that way. I'm just being honest. But why did I do that? I'm not that nice of a guy. I don't go around handing money out to random strangers. As a matter of fact, Dara had some gift cards that we were giving out to Walmart. She got 200 bucks and her meal paid for. Now, the, the gift cards we didn't pay for. And, you know, we had some from the hurricanes we were handing out to people. Gave her 200 bucks. Made her night. Make your night. Like, praise God, I got free dinner and some Walmart money. That's living with love. Because you can be generous and not love. It can just be mechanical. Why just give because I give? Yeah, but where's your heart? Where's your heart connected to what you're doing? That's love. We want to live this way. And here's what I know. I did it with a right heart and God's going to bless us. Not so that we can be blessed. So we can do it a lot more. Like that's the whole point. And so God says, hey, if I, you know, it's an old phrase, but it says if God can get it through you, God will get it to you. Problem is we, we choke off the hose and we wonder, God, where's your blessings? He's like, let go of the hose. Start blessing some folks. The Bible's very clear. He knows everything you have need of. Now, look, let me disclaimer, because I just want you, I want it to be clear. God doesn't ask you to give what you don't have. In other words, don't go into debt to bless somebody. Let me just be super practical with you for a moment. If you can't pay the credit card bill, you ain't got the money. It doesn't mean that God won't ask you to sacrificially give. He will. But God won't violate wisdom. He's kind of bound by that a little bit. So we do have to be reasonable but lean not to our own understanding but in all of our ways acknowledge him he directs our path it's important so i said this earlier it's important and it it, it is one thing to know that god loves us because he absolutely loves you like you cannot question that but he also wants and expects his love to be expressed through us here's my last scripture for this morning it's ephesians chapter 5 Verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read this out of the message translation. And it says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. It says, mostly what God does is love you. It says, keep company with him and learn a life of love. 
Learn a life of love. In other words, you're not going to get it right the first time. It's okay. You're learning. And the Lord is very gracious. He meets us where we are. I mean, God's not going to ask you to pay a $100 food bill if you ain't ever blessed somebody with $10. He's going to say, you're the $10 standard. That's where I'm going to meet you. And he's not judging you in that. He's just saying, that's where you are. But this is what I know. The Bible talks about this. You got to be faithful with what you got. And then you can, you realize this is a lot of fun. It's fun being able to bless people. It's fun being able to live this life out. Like I didn't realize like that this is why God said like you need to be generous. I just thought it's somebody's after my money. No, God's after your heart. So we, and, and to live from love is all about our heart. And so he keeps on going. He says, you got to learn to live this life of love. Uh, observe how Christ loved. And it says his love was not cautious, but extravagant. We got to work hard to not love cautiously. Why? Because to love openly means we open ourselves up to potentially get hurt. Yes. But that's when, that's why it's a sacrifice. And God wants us to love those around us. It goes on, it says that Jesus didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. I'm going to repeat that. Jesus didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. And the message translation says, love like that. Love like that. Love sacrificially. Like, I mean, you'll be amazed if you just love people, how much you'll see God move in your life. You're like, yeah, but I need somebody to love on me. Sow the seed. The very beginning of scripture. Seed comes before harvest. I need people to be friendly. Be friendly. Well, I, Pastor, man, I, I'm struggling financially. What you got in the house? What you got in your hand? The key to your future, you already got. You just hadn't recognized it yet. It's there. I could give you spirit, scriptural basis for what I just said. For the sake of time, I don't have time. Everything that you need to unlock for your future, for God's best in your life, you already have the seed to bring that about. But it starts with love. It starts being connected to what God is doing. So having said all of this, you could say, well, what do you want me to do? I like being practical. What do you want me to do? How do I do this? We got to live it out. Especially, 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 especially when you feel that compassion rise up in your heart. You're like, well, how do you know? You know. Like if you got to try to like reason it away, it might be the Lord. Like, well, how do I know if it's the Lord? Ask your spouse, ask a friend. If you're really that questioning about it, just ask somebody. I feel like, look, I've done this many, many times. Where I'm like, I feel like the Lord put this in my heart, but it seems stupid to me. What do you think? And they're like, sounds like Jesus to me. Fine. I'm going to do it. I mean, I'm serious. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Where I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to go ask somebody that I trust. And here's the good news that I have found. Even if I miss God, even if I do something with my heart right, God's going to honor it. Why? Because he's gracious. He said, hey, thanks for the attempt. Let's keep walking forward. I'm going to bless it anyways. It's not law. It's relationship. 
Right? I mean, the first time that my son strikes out in baseball, I'm not going to be like, give me that bat and ball, give me the glove. We're never playing a stupid game again. Well, God doesn't treat us that way either. Just, but we got to look, man, for those moments of compassion to rise in our heart. See, we want God to express his love through us. Not just to us, but through us. Because we're never more like Jesus. You'll never be more like Jesus than when you're loving somebody else. You see it throughout the Gospels over and over and over again. He saw a need and the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Compassion always preceded the miracles. Almost every time. The power of God followed love. The Bible says that faith, our belief and our trust in God, trust in his word, that faith works by love. So you may be, man, I've been believing God. I've been praying, ain't nothing working. How's your love walk? Because it's not just about being generous. Sometimes our love walk is about our attitude. And a lot of times it's more about our attitude. It's about that internal dialogue that's going on. Like the conversation before the conversation. That's the internal dialogue I'm talking about. You know, you've, you've lawyered up in your mind. Got your argument laid out. Like, let's do this. I'm ready. Proverbs says that a soft answer will turn away anger. Well, that's love. I know I could win the argument, but I'm not willing to have the argument because I value our relationship more. That's choosing love. And that takes restraint. Well, that's where we need God's help. Here's the good news. Is that the Bible is very clear. The very last part of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. It says that faith will fail. All these other, But it says that love will never fail. God's love working through us will always produce the God result that he wants. Every time. Not saying it's easy, but what I am telling you, man, it's worth it. It's worth it. To live this way and to live open, not to live closed, but to live an open life that just says, man, God, give me eyes to see opportunities. Because what I have found is when I'm not looking for opportunities, I don't see them. When I start asking the Lord to open my eyes to see, I see opportunities. I see opportunities. And that doesn't mean that just because I see them that I have to meet the need. But I'm looking for the ones that the Lord is like, meet that need. Help that person. Do this. Not all the time. But there's moments. It's like, okay, I need to do this. Being motivated by love. And so I want to pray over you this morning. I'm going to pray that specifically, actually, is that God would open our eyes, that we would have eyes to see. So that we could live and act and love like Jesus. So, Father God, I thank you right now. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for your truth. Father, that your truth dispels every lie of the enemy. Every past wound that would try to hinder us and keep us from walking in love and loving those around us the way that you have called us and actually designed us to live. Father, I thank you that you are the mender of every heart. So, Father, I thank you that your love is being expressed into every one of us. Father, that we could live this life. That we could love on those around us, encourage those around us. Father, that we would see the need and not run away. But, Father, that we would see a need and we would run to it. So, Father, I ask you right now, by the help of the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us, to open up our eyes to see. Open up our eyes to see. 
the people around us, the opportunities around us, the broken around us, the needs, Father, that we need to be aware of, that, Father, that even as we would maybe turn away from a need because of whatever our excuses may be, that, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would prompt our hearts and remind us of, of, of your love that's on the inside of us, that we could live a life larger than ourselves, that we would live a life of maximum kingdom impact, that we would affect people for your glory and for your name, that, Father, that we would point them ultimately to you, that it's not about us. But if people were to ever ask us, why did you do this? Father, we would say it's because of the one who saved me. That we would give you the praise and the honor and the glory that you're so rightly due.